0: Clubhouse. Welcome to the True Crime TV podcast, where our hosts cover a variety of these shows, sometimes just one episode, sometimes the whole season. Join us as we get to the bottom of the case together.
1: This is Steph. This is Sheila. This is Colleen. And welcome back to the Pod Clubhouse's coverage of The Thing About Pam. This is episode four we're talking about today, um, titled She's a Loving Daughter. Welcome back, ladies. Hey. Oh my gosh! What a good episode. I loved it.
2: Yeah, this was a good one.
1: Yeah. You guys kept telling me, "Just wait, just wait," and like, seriously.
2: I know, <laughs> like, and what? I've
1: and then I've the been. Next s- few minutes. What? And then the. Next- <laughs> I've been really
2: careful, like, not to go ahead because I yeah. like w- cause we have screeners, right? So, like, we get to watch these episodes, obviously, ahead of time because we're saying, hey, happy Saturday. You're listening on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have the luxury of going ahead for most of these. And I, I try not to because... I don't want to accidentally say something in like today's episode where it actually something happens happens in like next next week's episode. So, you know, these become like a little bit of a a revelation, but like I said, like Colleen and and I know the backstory. So it's just like, Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, Steph, what'd you
1: think? I know. And I still have, I've been strong and I still haven't Googled, you know, like what happened? (laughs) There was several moments for me in this episode that were just crazy. So I can't wait to talk about them. But I thought it was interesting how this episode was very much mother and daughter themed. It really was. And it felt like the trial of Russ was just sort of like eh, part of the episode.
2: You know, it was like sprinkled in in yeah. between these little vignettes about Pam and her mom and Pam and her daughter. Yeah. It was disconcerting to watch. I mean, I don't get I me wrong. Know. Like, I'm going to back up. I love origin stories. I, I mean, like I have a Ted Lasso quote that I say a lot. It's like, boy, I love meeting people's moms. It's like reading an instruction as <laughs> to why they're nuts. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, you know, there was so many things about this episode, like and just watching the dynamic between these women that just left me in such a gross place. I know. Yeah,
0: some of it was legitimately hard to watch.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's really messed
2: up it's always interesting to see like where people come from and sort of their origins and you're going back all the way to 1977 and just Mm -hmm. seeing these dynamics was just interesting but it was also really difficult and it's just like and I I like what you said Steph yeah this was definitely like the mother-daughter episode Russ's trial was sort of the inter in the interlude in between these
1: oh and this happened right but it was a really interesting sort of topic and that comes up a lot I think of that whole nature versus nurture you know and and the narrator was talking about that a lot of like, there's so only so much biology can do, but then the way that these women treated each other I mean, that has to have a lot to do with how effed up their relationship. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my god. Okay, and then the end, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> so, <laughs> ah. <laughs> Oh,
0: Crazy so... And that's setting us up for the last few episodes. Yeah. There's only two episodes left. Oh my yes, gosh.
2: I know. And this one. Crazy. This one was just, I, I told you at the beginning of this, I warned you that this was all going to just be Bonkers, bananas, and yes. you know, and true. Unfortunately,
1: yeah, I have a lot of questions and a lot of like, what is happening? But yeah, like you said, I enjoy seeing an origin story and seeing sort of the past, and it kind of gives you like the tiniest smidge of sympathy for Pam, like for like a yeah. second.
0: I mean, it, it it does humanize her to an extent, yeah. and you kind of understand maybe not how she ended up where she was, but that she was not going to end up anywhere good. Essentially. Right. You're
2: right. (laughs) Yeah. And finding out like where her motivations come from, especially Mm -hmm. around money. Like that was the heavy theme between Mm -hmm. the the dynamic between these mothers and daughters. You know, it was funny that you said like this humanizes Pam a little bit. I was feeling sympathy for her, like with her mom, especially when her mom was trying to embarrass her in front of her friends at the prom. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. know, talking about her not being smart enough for college and, you know, she's sneaky and just, you know, these are things that a mother does not say about their or should not say about their kid. Right. You might Mm -hmm. think it sometimes, especially in the (laughs) moment when they're being like a little, you know, "Mm." but you don't say that kind of stuff. Right. No. But then I felt bad for Pam up until the second when she put her daughter's wet underwear on her head. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, you bitch. Right. Yeah. Like, and then just turned my stomach. Then the whole conversation with the daughter about, do you have any money, little girl? I'm like, you're six. Like, oh, my god! Like, how do, you, how do you do that? Like, how do you, I don't even have words. Like, I'm getting so mad just sitting and here. Like, I'm just growling because it's just like, you don't do that to a little kid. And now you're just setting the stage for this kid to be as effed up as you are. It's like this perpetual cycle of
0: horridness. And then the scene at the auction when the daughter's trying to buy the house and Pam, like, buys it out from under her. You're like, oh, God. Like, Like, why does she...
1: It's like the motivation is just to be hateful. Yeah, Mm -hmm. just to be a a nuisance.
0: Well, just, I think, to retain control. Like, she feels like she's the one in control and she's the one who... Says whether her daughter can do whatever she's doing.
2: Yeah. And even like in the restaurant, the conversation with the birthday cake and just talking about her, like, you know, doesn't want you to get into trouble because, you know, you don't really know the game. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So funny that we're getting the inflection.
1: (laughs) I have done things here.
2: Yeah. So it was painful to watch, but it was also kind of interesting to see.
1: It also broke my heart to see how hateful the grandma is to Sarah. Yeah. yeah. I'm like what? That is really like, hard to stomach. Like it's never the kid's
2: fault of how they come uh, into this world. Don't take it on the kid. The kid didn't do anything. I want to know what what's wrong with with Mr. Gunderson that you know she's got such a
1: yeah like
2: jeez like a horrid sense about him. Like you married a Gunderson. I'm with
1: Mark now. Mark. 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 Mark.
2: <laughs>
1: Mark. Yeah, I want to go back to the topic about Pam and the money and and why this Mm -hmm. is, like, such a motivator for her. and The The money motion? The money motion? (laughs) No, I just mean her and her pet. The money motion? (laughs) She's like, no, money. Mooney motion. (laughs) 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 Mooney. Like, the mom, uh, the grandma constantly talking about how, I'm going to cut you out of my will and you're going to be, you know, I'm not going to leave you with anything. And then it's just bizarre why that is the center of their relationship. Is it because I don't have money to begin with? You know, it's not okay for Pam to run out of milk because she's a bad mom, but for but her sure, mom to do Shirley it, Shirley can was, well, slug down the uh, the gin and tonics. Yeah. Well, we were poor, you know, so that's yeah. okay. I think it all is
0: control the mom is trying to control Pam Mm. by saying oh I'll you know write you out of the will or you're back in the will or the daughter's in the will in your place like she doesn't have control anymore so that's the only thing she has is money and Pam is also making the daughter pay for the appetizer or whatever at the birthday dinner like they're all just like trying to control each other and the money is the way that they're doing it
1: that's a good point yeah
2: and it's interesting, too, because, like, when Keith Morrison was narrating this and he said that, you know, Pam's not in control of her story, that notion of control comes back again because mm-hmm. she's now publicly been outed, shamed, yeah. you know, however yeah. you want to, you know, expose. I think that's really, like, where I was going for that because Joel was seen on Dateline and she was, um, you know, she was really upset by what she saw. And then, like, the next, very next scene is where the mom is telling her again that I'm going to cut you out. So it's, we heard it twice in this mm-hmm. episode, right, that she's going to be mm-hmm. cut out of the will 40 years apart from, like, the time of the prom. I, and I'm sorry, but at a prom, 17, 18 years old, who's thinking about a will at that point? Like, I, no. I mean, I had knowledge about a will was, but, like, you know, it didn't yes. really.
0: I, certainly wasn't top of the mind for things yeah, you were. It's
2: like, go have another drink, mom. But, yeah, I guess when Pam's in her 50s and she's being told that again, she was just, like, shaking with rage in that moment where I was just like, oh. So now the practical part of me took that whole like scene apart and I was just like, Well, if she's got control over the mom and she pays for the care facility, mom has no money to go to a lawyer to have her will change. So I was like, practically, I'm like, that's really never gonna happen. <laughs> You're
1: like, practically that makes no sense. But... I'm like,
2: that's not actually possible, but okay. Yeah.
0: yeah. I also feel like mom threatens a lot and maybe yeah. doesn't
2: and just alcohol is if you have a nasty temper, it just augments that. So, like if you know she's hiccuping on gin and tonics, by the time she's leaving the restaurant, I can only imagine the hatefulness. I guess that would start coming out. You know, when you have mm-hmm. that kind of a temperament, and then you you sprinkle some alcohol on top of it, it's just gonna it's just gonna be a whole happy cluster.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs>
2: I felt really bad for Shirley Newman, her mom, throughout this this episode, too, mm-hmm. because you know it is interesting the question you said about like nature versus nurture, but at the same time, it's like you could also choose to overcome your nature.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, but you also have to be cognizant of your. I'm gonna say, yeah, I'm not sure that Pam is capable of that or aware of it. Does well, she even realize?
2: Well, also, it's like you know how many stories does she have? So, you know, it's hard to remember all of these things. I know, right? if your story keeps changing. <laughs>
1: I was just thinking about the, um, you know, I think Colleen, you mentioned the control and it's like Shirley saying, Pam's been stealing from me. And then she's mm-hmm. like, mom doesn't know what she's talking about. I'm like, oh, that's so frustrating. Like, can you imagine being an elderly person and being like, yeah. I know what I'm talking about, but you're just saying, let's go. She's old. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, you know, that's like how, you know, elder abuse happens. It's yes, like, you know,
2: it is. and it's really easy it's to really do. really
1: sad.
0: Yeah. And the last bit of Pam backstory was how she got together with Mark. In the bar, which was kind yeah. of a great scene. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Colleen. You you saw her kind of sizing up her mark. Mark. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> mark, 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 mark. Trapping his date in the bathroom was quite a quite a touch.
1: <laughs> he didn't even care. He's like, Hey, I'm with somebody. No. I'm just like she left. I don't know. And he just
2: had his whole spiel memorized because he just started again, like, you know, going to Florida, playing some ball. You know, he just didn't uh-huh. care. He just you was know, like, all right, fine. I just thought it was very huppity. <laughs> uh, it was a very huppity way to do it. It was very clever. She was just, yeah, she was just clever in how she, she orchestrated that. She just set her sights. And
1: so was her, her whole motivation to get away from her mom? Because, I mean, it just sound, it, to me, it looked like she just heard this guy talking about Florida and she's like, hmm my mom doesn't like Florida. I'm going to go with you.
0: I think it was partially that. And I think she heard him talking about AAA money. ball. Yeah. And so she yeah. assumed he'd be a, a major league ball player. Like a player. pro ball
1: player. Yeah. I think yeah. So, too, so I think, yeah.
0: I think it was dual money and distance for mom.
2: Okay, right. Yeah. Cause I thought that was a weird thing for her to bring up that like the humidity frazzles mm. her mom's hair. I'm like, Listen, if I'm picking up a dude in a bar, the last person I'm talking about is my mom. (laughs) (laughs)
1: mom. (laughs) He's probably like, okay, Okay. that's random, but sure. Yeah. I mean, that's another level of her being so calculated, just deciding that Mark is going to be with her now.
2: But if you want to put like side by side some of the things that like we've seen about Pam, you can see now this timeline and the escalation of things that she's done throughout her life in terms Mm -hmm. of being underhanded. And I thought this was a good time to bring all of Pam's backstory in because now... Mm -hmm with the Russ wrongful conviction and now his retrial happening this time around. And again, it comes back to that dynamic of like generational abuse and like, you know, where do you go with it? Do you nurture it? Do you rail against it? And she, you know, she leaned into that whole abusive nature. And then you can just see how she's escalating the different activities throughout her life. So, you know, she started out by defying her mom at prom getting pregnant. Right. So that didn't go out very well for her. But then the escalation of being so sneaky and underhanded with snagging Mark, is it a straight line to murder? I don't necessarily yeah. <laughs> know, but uh, I just think it was a very interesting way to bring in her nature into this. Yeah, into That's this, true.
0: yeah. It definitely um, shows yeah. that she's exceptionally calculating in the right. way that she sort of deals with everyone in her life. It's all, what can you do for me or what can I extract from you?
2: Yeah, like what can I yeah. gain from this transaction? It all feels very transactional.
0: Mm -hmm. So it seems like there were two main themes to this episode. There was all of the Pam and her backstory, and then there was Russ and his retrial. So what did you think about all that? There was a lot that happened in this episode.
1: I get why they just skipped over so much. But at one point, they mentioned two years, and then he said, I've been in prison for three years. And then all of a sudden, it was the trial, so... The only sort of question that came up to me was, like, why is Russ, like, so willing to trust Joel again? Like, he just still seems just kind of oblivious to all this. You know, he's like, oh, they put me in here and they made me out to look like a bad person. But has Joel really been there, like, this whole three years talking to Russ? Or I mean, if the lawyer who didn't get me, off, you know, (laughs) acquitted of murder comes right back and is like, hey, we're going to do it different this time. I'd be like, no, buddy, I'll find me something else, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like Russ isn't really thinking through these things, but I just thought that was kind of funny that Joel's back. He's like, I've been thinking about this every day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I feel like we could have used a title card or something saying, you know, three years later or something like that just to make it clear. But yes, definitely time passed and then we're right in the thick of the retrial.
1: So what spurred the retrial was Joel got word of this deposition, this trial, you know, the daughter suing Pam and and he just looked into it. Is that sort of how that happened? That's the way I took it, that he got some evidence from this
2: deposition that he was able to file this Mooney motion. And I got to do some research. (laughs) Did you? I did. Because I was like, what is a Mooney motion? And the reason it got called attention to was because Pam was like, money motion? I was like, she goes no Mooney motion the way so, so so like three times yeah so it was just <laughs> funny so that funny. whole that whole back and forth conversation it it, it literally had me laughing but yeah. I was able to research a little bit into this Mooney motion and it's rare it is a rare bit of case law so in Missouri it's only been used three times in all of Missouri's history
1: oh. Wow.
2: So it's from a 1935 case called Mooney versus Hollahan, and it's 294 US.103. <laughs> if you want the you case go. number, if you want to look it up, if <laughs> you want to be so specific, I found this at caselawinfo.com. So it's where the court established the rule that knowing use by a state prosecutor of perjured testimony to obtain a conviction. And then the deliberate suppression of evidence that would have impeached and refuted the testimony constitutes a denial of due process. It falls under like this, this writ of habeas corpus. It's very, very technical. Uh, Whereas like you have to produce the body. Like Habeas corpus means like the other person needs to get their day in court, due process. And basically this Mooney motion says that the prior court did not allow for due process to be had. And. Based on the new evidence that Joel found, he was able to successfully file this Mooney motion and get a retrial. Wow.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh So
2: I thought it was very interesting. And I was like, as I was reading the definition, I was like, oh, this is Judge Menemeyer written all over her, (laughs) where the court suppressed the evidence that would Mm -hmm. have allowed for a reasonable doubt to come into play and he just wasn't yeah. allowed. So the fact that we got to see Joel in action, unimpeded. I was just really excited mm-hmm. to see how he would handle this now that he had like the shackles
0: removed. And they certainly had a law and order moment with that email. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That email was hilarious. So when Joel gets the email, this was the other moment that I laughed. So when the email comes to to Joel's office and his assistant, Nate, is there and he's reading, he's like, this weird email came through from the DA's office and he's reading it. And Joel's like, it sounds huppity. I'm like, that is the best line I've heard all
1: night. That's awesome. I'm gonna start using
2: that in my
0: conversation.
1: Sounds huppity.
2: Like you watch the thing about ham pam, that one sounds huppity. That
0: one does sound huppity. <laughs> well they had they had, they had sorta of had Two law order moments because they had the email and then they have the they had the stack of luminol photos that mysteriously yes. arrived at his office, although maybe not so mysteriously dun, dun, by dun. the end of the episode.
2: Yeah. I have so many questions, so many questions about the stuff that happened around this retrial. So like the luminol photos, like like how does that get missed in the first trial? Like how do you say in court that you don't have luminol photos and then all of a sudden 130 of them are found?
0: Well, I think they were implying that they weren't missed but they were suppressed. They didn't specify whether it was by the cops or by Leah Askey, but clearly they were around. At the very end, that shot with Tina and the envelope, so you you know, essentially, that, that Tina sent them.
2: Right, and then the conversation that Joel has with her about like how do you like working for her? I work for the county. It doesn't matter whose name is on the door. That
0: tells yeah. you everything that you need to know. Tina was doing some face acting that whole episode. Like there was yeah. there was so much face acting out of Tina. It was fantastic.
2: She's a phenomenal actress, really. But I feel like this should be like like this is some sort of like ethical violation. Like if you had these photos, yeah, and. I don't know. Like, I feel like this is some sort of like misconduct. It needs to be reported. Like, I'm sitting there. I'm like, absolutely. Really? Who's the governing body here? Like, if you're the DA and you're not doing things that are on the straight and narrow, who's watching you? Well, exactly. Who watches the watchman, indeed? And then the other conversation where Tina was doing a great job, too, was like when they bring Pam back in and, um, <laughs>
1: i think she voluntarily comes back in. yeah well i guess
2: they they needed her to come back in because they you know they're reopening the trial after pam steps away leah says something along the lines of like oh we need to rethink our strategy and Tina's like oh thank god like you're finally coming around to see that pam is not the reliable witness she's like she doesn't lie she just changes her story i'm like isn't that the definition of lie yeah, <laughs> it's like you change your story. Like the truth is the easiest thing to remember in, in in my life. Like I don't have to remember anything except what actually happened.
0: Well, I feel like sort of up through this episode, they were leaving it a little bit in doubt whether Leah was just like overzealous and sort of genuinely thought she was doing good or whether she was really kind of like sneaky. And I think this yeah. this episode showed that she was... Closer to sneaky than the other way because yeah. she, like, called to have all the evidence destroyed rather than really kind of looking at it.
1: I mean, that's what I wrote in my notes, like, at the end of this episode is why is Leah, like, protecting Pam? What is that connection? Like, why? It makes no sense. Like, why is she constantly making excuses for her?
0: I think she's just protecting, again, that she sort of picked her her, her pony, picked that right. she backed was horse, yeah. wrong. Yeah. And she doesn't want to either admit or, you know, yeah, she doesn't want to look like she, you know, chose the wrong guy.
2: So if Russ is retried and we see that he is acquitted on this retrial or his sentence is vacated... Mm -hmm. The problem for me, then, is what the daughter said in this episode. Yeah. was like, well, her, her killer just walks free then? Like, shouldn't the prosecutor be more concerned with then finding the killer? Yeah, I get that she's doing a re-election campaign and things like that. But, like, even if you have to switch course... And say okay maybe we didn't have the right guy The first time but still don't you Want to get justice for this
0: woman who was Murdered and, but that's the thing like They're they're showing that she doesn't want to get justice She just wants to get reelected
1: It just felt like she kind of cared about Pam And was like protecting her you're saying it's more She just doesn't want to look Bad and wants to get reelected
0: Yeah it's self preservation For her rather than right
1: You can't admit you're wrong at this yeah. point It so just frustrated me it made me mad I was like yeah. why is she protecting yeah. her <laughs> and, and
2: well, to a, to an extent, it is protecting Pam, but also it's 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 protecting her own job, And, yeah, well, we got it right the first time. You know, why would we you know, when Tina says there was new evidence that was found, like, how do you find new evidence? Like, I'm sure that the Lincoln County of Missouri does not have that many murders that you can't keep a wrangle on all of the evidence for this one murder, because I, I think they said there was something like three murders in the last 10 years in that whole county. Yeah. Um, in one of the earlier episodes. So like, how do you just three years later find new evidence and you don't want to test it against anybody else? Like, come on. Yeah,
0: yeah that was the other scene that made me like really dislike Leah Askew and she was like, well, we're not going to test it. I'm like, well, how is that going to hurt anything if you test it? Right. Mm-hmm. Again, could show that she'd made the wrong decision and she can't allow that.
2: And then I also just feel like the nail in her coffin was when she's, you know, drew up the order to have the evidence destroyed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that really upset me. And just thinking like, in real life, is it that easy for just one person to destroy the evidence? Like, that seems real off that she can just make a phone call, but she's the DA. So
0: yeah, I mean, she would be she would be the one person, I guess, God, cause she's the I mean, DA. that's kind
1: of scary. Is there no checks and balances on this system? Well,
2: I guess she requests the order, and then the sheriff's Mm -hmm. department has to, like, follow through with it. So I guess there is, like, this chain of command. But, I mean, if she's the one ordering it, who's going to refute it?
1: That's what I'm saying.
2: That's scary. It is scary. And, like, I remember you said this, like, early on. I remember which episode we were talking about this, but, you know, talking about, like, how— This man is wrongfully convicted. He's tried by a jury of his peers, convicted, sent to jail. She didn't have any hard, concrete evidence against him. And she still didn't have any concrete evidence against him, despite wanting to change her tactics regarding, you know, using Pam.
0: Well, and not only did she not have any hard, concrete evidence, he had an alibi. Right. Yeah. It was like four people. It wasn't even like, oh, his best buddy says he's home or his wife says he's home. It's like four different people. And like one of them
2: is like the guy's wife who's like, you know, probably like, oh, man, these guys are in my basement every Tuesday night.
0: You know, this is not like this is not this doesn't seem like a sketchy, you know, Agatha Christie alibi that has been, you know, tricked up.
2: Right. There's no mustache twirling coming, you know, coming up (laughs) with this story here. It was fun to watch Joel at the top of his game getting to like hammer away.
1: It's like he finally got his chance to ask the questions he needed to ask. And it's like clear.
2: Well, it was finally like a real trial for him. Yes,
1: exactly. As opposed
2: to this, you know, gag order that he had the last time out. So Pam is like all set to testify, but Leah at the last minute even is hesitating in the courtroom. Call her. Why do you think that she rested without involving Pam?
1: I think it goes back to that scene where Pam sort of voluntarily shows up to give more information and she's talking about the how oh, Betsy's in love with her. It. I think it left a question in Leah's mind of like, okay, something, this lady is unpredictable as to what she's going to say. Yeah. I think it was smart on both their parts not to diffuse the truth with, like, anything that could come out of this woman's mouth.
2: Right. Like, you don't have, like, a as, as a lawyer, like, when you go into trial, like, you know the answers to all the questions that you're asking, for the most part. Like, you go in prepared to yeah, so that there You are, should are, yes. anyway. Right, you should. Like, there should be no curveballs. So I think that's a good point that you raised, that she doesn't
0: know what's going to come out of Pam's mouth because she She's doesn't lie. She story. just changes
2: her story. Right?
0: Like, I'm not lying. Because she has a head injury or a back injury <laughs> right. or all the other random reason. Menopause, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> wow. There's a ton
2: of excuses here. But how fun would it have been to have Joel hammer away at Pam? I know. With with like no restrictions. I would have loved to have seen that. I wouldn't sit there with popcorn. Like this is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so Steph, because you brought it up and it was a thing that I wanted to talk about. Can we talk yes, about I how Pam? Talk about this. Yeah. So <laughs> Pam comes back into the police station and she has this news story that she wants to tell about Betsy. What was your take on on Pam's revelation about Betsy and her being, what was the word that she used?
0: Muff thumpers? (laughs) I believe that that was it.
2: I was like, wait, what did I just hear? Like, are they allowed to say that? Like, are they allowed to say that on NBC?
0: I don't know. We'll find out. Tina was all of us in that scene. Tina's face through that whole scene (laughs) was just, Tina Tina was all of us. (laughs)
1: As we're going through these episodes, you know, we've been talking about how I'm the one who doesn't know what's happening and you guys keep saying like just wait, just wait. I literally thought this was the just wait you guys are talking about. Oh no, there's more, but there's I mean, more but wait, there's more. <laughs> like when this scene came up pretty, you know, early on in the episode or or the middle of the episode, I literally was like, what (laughs) i mean how 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 is this part of the story it's just so funny (laughs) what she said we're not lesbians we're just you know involved sexually and then she goes down we were playing softball in the basement (laughs) i'm dying at this point i'm losing it like this is
0: ridiculous and i just loved it. they cut to the two of them wear like wearing softball jerseys that just made me laugh
1: (laughs) Yes, oh but, T- but Tina's
2: face throughout that entire exchange was just, it was gold. The, that camera angle needed to be on Tina the entire time because she was, like you said, Colin. she was just all of us in that moment because we're just like, wait, what?
1: What is happening? That's so funny. Well, and it, it literally cracked me up that she was like, uh, well, I love men and, you know, I'll watch Magic Mike. Doesn't you know, like, <laughs> that justifies you being in love with me? It was so funny. Well, that—that's like, your validity for being straight
2: versus not, right? Magic money. Apparently, that's the test for hetero women. <sighs> Well, I mean, just the fact that Russ comes downstairs eating a bucket of chicken, it's like how like stereotypical, like, like male chauvinist, like you just like this like slobbering man coming down the stairs eating chicken, chicken's falling out of his mouth and he's calling him a bunch of muff thumpers. Just the fact that Pam brings this up now is questionable. And I know that she was trying to couch it by saying, you know, I didn't want to embarrass Betsy. She's I'm a private person. All the rest of that. But at the same time, like, I think bringing it in this moment is the the domino tilt that that gets Leah to get away from Pam. Like, I think that it's just like so outlandish. And she was just like, I can't bring this into a court like I can't as as crazy as it is. Like, it doesn't necessarily help anyone's case at this point to bring it up now because it's just like, well, why wasn't this introduced as evidence in the first trial? Well, I'm a private person is not really a good indicator of of why it should have been left out and they already had enough character assassinations on russ yeah they didn't have it they still don't have any good evidence against him i think leah was smart in saying that like you know we need to rethink our strategy on pam but it was not the way that tina thought it was and the rest of us you know Mm. common sense loving people (laughs) <laughs> would, <laughs> would uh would necessarily have have thought it to be the comedic relief i think that this episode needed oh, yes. <laughs> because it, it was a lot it was a lot i mean the fact that like russ his conviction was overturned i was like yes because you the worst thing is to have somebody rotting in jail who did not do the crime that they are not convicted of. Like, so the fact that like justice was served for him, but it also just leaves this big like question mark, like, okay, well, if you're destroying the evidence, then you're basically going to allow Betsy's killer to just live out there uncontested. So while it was funny at the same time, I was just, it just, it brought me down a line where I was just like, this got dark real
1: fast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right after it. I'm hoping we'll get more information on this in the next few episodes, but it looks sort of like now that Pam is just like, no one is going to be accountable for Betsy's murder. Like Pam is not going to be on trial for this. I think Joel's the only one, you know, he's sort of coming up with the evidence and and saying, you know, the email isn't didn't come from Betsy, but I don't know. Like, it looks like she's just going to get away with this.
0: Well, there are still two more episodes and we end on a heck of a cliffhanger with this one.
1: I know. Yes.
2: But Joel also brings up a lot of information that should somebody want to go after Pam, there's enough of a door open for someone to do that. I really liked how his forensics expert brought in the email that was found. Like, so this new email, the huppity email that Joel references That um, was uh, what Betsy had said, the email that I guess got overlooked way back when about Mm -hmm. Russ, you know, holding this pillow over Betsy's face that Pam talked about in the, the interview the police were having with Mark. She took over way back when, I guess it was episode, it must have been episode one. So his forensic expert was able to bring in the fact that there's no way that this email could have been written on Betsy's computer because the operating systems were so different. So
1: Joel left so much out on the table for somebody to pick up the mantle to go after Pam, I guess. Be, but then, with Leah destroying the evidence, that's what made me feel like, well, man, like there is no way for anyone to go after Pam with this because there's no more evidence.
2: Well, I mean, I guess, like Holly, wouldn't the defense attorney have the evidence from discovery?
1: Um, wouldn't he have a copy of it? Like, does that he not- would have a
0: copy? I guess. Doesn't have not to sure be if- the original. That's the th- yeah. He might yeah. He might not have the original like right objects states, like
2: yeah like the state's evidence of the forensic yeah. analysis of the yeah. blood.
0: On the murder yeah. slippers, I just yeah, because then you wouldn't slippers. be able to re—you wouldn't be able to retest anything.
1: That's right. right. That's, That's what the what problem. makes me feel like frustrated. I'm like, dang, like she
2: just got away with this. But like, there's two more episodes left, so you know, I'm hoping that. Well, I mean, there's just enough drama around Pam that she could fill up another two hours worth of just. You
1: know, I would two like episodes to watch of a whole show just of her life,
2: and it's so funny because, like, as much as we've talked about Pam. Like, it's the thing about Pam, but it's all these other things that happen, like, around her. Like, she's not actually Mm -hmm. doing a ton of the stuff. Like, it's all the stuff that's sort of, like, happening from, like, the ripple effect that she's creating. So, there's, Dateline is coming into the the picture here a little bit more in this episode. And I kind of liked how the fact that, like, Dateline is becoming its own little... Like entity in the Mm -hmm. show as much as like you know we've got a character right yes like we've got Keith doing the narration and that's great but I just liked how Dateline is becoming a part of like you said Colleen like like it's becoming its own character I have questions about like why would somebody want to go on Dateline like if you've had this horrible tragedy happen to your family why would you want to go on national television and talk about it like is there some sort of compensation I don't know
0: I don't think so. I would assume you would want to like tell about your loved one if you were, you know, a relative of the victim or whatever. And from having watched a lot of Dateline, I think a lot of the accused think they're smart enough that they can, you know, snow people. So that's why they agree to interviews.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I felt so bad for Janet, for Betsy's mom doing this. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm a little confused as to how Janet could believe that Russ killed Betsy, someone in her family, right? Like he's part yeah. of her family, but not Pam, someone who's like inserted herself into the family dynamic and has benefited financially. Still three years later, the daughters are now suing her for the money that the, her mother, you know, entailed for that for them.
0: Well, I think it just speaks to Pam's ability to like ingratiate herself. Betsy's mom says to the interview, well, well Pam was there for all of us.
2: But it was like Pam's speeches early on after Betsy was killed saying like how Russ was so aggressive and he didn't care about Betsy that I felt like that was kind of the things that like turned the tide Mm -hmm. in the fan. Like that conversation where Lily is sitting on the couch saying how Russ threw her boyfriend out of the house and chased him out. Um, I feel like that conversation was kind of what turned the tide against Russ in Janet's mind. Yeah. Because at first she was like, no, he couldn't have done this. This is like him. And then, you know, Pam got her clutches into her. Now she's still believing this, even even so far past the the trial, still believing that Pam, who still hasn't given her granddaughters the money, is still innocent. Like, I just it's just like, how do you believe this still so long after to the point that the granddaughters are in a court case? probably spending money that they don't have to try to get their money away from this woman. It is bizarre.
1: Especially, yeah, right. If I was watching my granddaughters on go through a trial suing this woman, like I don't know that I'd be on her side. It's weird. I'm watching the trial. I'm watching Mark in the audience and they kept cutting to him, checking in on him and it's like, do you think he was figuring out sort of what was happening? Do you think he's became any in any yeah. way suspicious of Pam?
0: That was what I was seeing, too, is yeah. I thought that they were cutting to him so that, like, especially when they were saying about, oh, the email could not have been written on Betsy's machine, then that sort of logical inference is, well, how did Pam know it was there? Right. Because
1: if anybody knows what's up with Pam is him because she's constantly yakking all the time so i mean he's pulling money out of her drawer and she's like oh that's not duh, we don't have you know we need to make a move and he's saying you know so he knows their money problems intimately he knows sort of what she's been saying like dateline can't get involved and he's hearing all of her narrative and then he's sort of sitting in this courtroom like listening to this evidence and it's it's almost like sort of seeing it in his eyes and he's sort of giving it like a sideways like hmm i was just like i hope he's figuring it out <laughs>
2: Yeah, it was a very interesting dynamic to see him involved with the like with like you said with her narrative. And then hearing what these people were saying about her in court, especially what Joel was saying, it brought me back to when he found that last stack of money, the mm-hmm. last stack of hundreds in the drawer with the dish towels in the kitchen. Yes, like in like the kitchen know. drawer. Like if their house ever went up in flames, God forbid, like how much <laughs> money is she going to like forget that she stashed away? Because remember we saw like in the first episode when the cops went to go talk to
0: her, there was like a stack of 20s in the drawer. Yeah, was like her in iron the and her in the, the money she ironed? <gasps> oh, yeah, yeah, the
1: money she was ironing her money. What?
0: Well, I'm assuming that everything is tied up in houses because they said she didn't have enough money to buy that house that she bought that the daughter wanted to buy so if you've got you know two or three houses that you're doing carrying costs on you don't probably have a lot of liquid cash on hand
2: but like to be behind on your own mortgage is you know that's
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah they never do anything right (laughs) nothing ever happened
2: but it also just makes me wonder like what else is she hiding from mark which is a really good setup for how they brought him in this episode Like you Mm -hmm. said, in court cutting to him and and yeah, getting this like realization, like maybe going back to like that initial meeting, like, hey, whatever happened to that girl
1: (laughs) I was talking (laughs) to initially, right? Like, yeah, whatever happened to that chick in the bathroom? (laughs) She went to the bathroom
2: and never came back. I thought she was intimate. What happened? But yeah, I just don't know how much of a realization that he's actually going to come to.
1: Whenever they were leaving the courtroom and he sort of had to like walk with her. And I'm like, okay, if I'm thinking that my wife is maybe a murderer like okay i'm just gonna like act normal like she like, yeah i can get murdered be cool. too so right. like and, and like now he's like under duress like i'm, I'm held hostage in my own home because i'm scared of my life it's like that whole uh gone girl yes
2: <laughs> Can we talk about how the fact that Pam was cleaning knives when she's having this conversation with Mark about the last of the money and like she wants to hold on to it for sentimental reasons and she is waving a freaking knife around. She seemed a bit comfortable with
1: that knife. Waving it around. You're funny. Yeah. (laughs) Just absorbent. I just love all these little hints or, you know, just little pieces
2: yeah these little things that are left out there for like well what are you gonna put it all together as and
1: oh i think we have to talk about the ending of this episode yeah (laughs) okay r.i.p shirley (laughs) (laughs) on halloween
2: so what i noticed in the timeline was she'd seen dateline she saw joel on there and he was talking i mean he was just Again, talking about like leaving things out there and then allowing you to draw your own conclusions. He's talking about how, in 25 years of practice, he's never seen a case like this, a story like Pam's. You know, he's talking about the inconsistencies in her story, and then Keith Morrison is narrating above it, saying, "You know, now Pam is not in control of her story." And he had this great line earlier: oh, "He hypothesizes that you're born with a certain nature. This is all the way in the beginning, that your brain is wired a certain way, and that if biology." loaded the gun then upbringing you know fires it so to speak and then i just thought that that was an interesting way to set up and then the very end he's talking about how pam is not in control of her story so if you're talking about a loaded gun Mm -hmm. and not being in control and things are going off the rails and you're talking about being a month thumper and whatever (laughs) whatever else that she wanted (laughs) to come up with to change her story to make russ still look really bad this would be the outlet, like what just happened, you know, in the ensuing scene, that would be the logical connection for me. Like, so if they wanted to draw a very straight line between this escalation, that to me is where that came from. I thought that the, the way that the narr- the narration was used to set this up was really well done. Well, this is where we talked about, like, she was shaking with rage in the restaurant when mom was, you know, cutting her yeah. out of the will and then saying that she was going to put Sarah in the, the kid that she was belittling at the beginning of the episode so i feel like colleen like your your theory on control like that's
0: spot on here she gets control in the end because
1: at first i thought she drugged her her mom but i think she just gave her alcohol is that the
0: like too i think much she alcohol? did drug her though because she I was like both. okay
1: yeah but then when you find her at the the girls find her outside she looks injured is that an injury strictly from the fall cuz it kind of looked like more than that but
0: it was very dark the way i read it was she maybe drugged the mom and then i guess and then pushed her over i feel like there was some sort of a struggle on the balcony okay.
2: because the the way that she landed means that she fell backwards right
1: well and i had to look several times of what was on the ground cuz it and then i realized as they the camera panned upwards you see that the railings are missing
2: Right. And some have landed with her on the ground. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Yeah, so it that took me a minute to figure out what that was. Yeah. So that definitely indicates like some sort of a struggle. And there was a lot of force because Shirley's not a small woman. Right. So she's, no, no. um, she's like a robust lady. So, you know, to, to bring her down like that. And then again, because if you, if you fall over a railing, like you're going to fall a certain way, but if you're pushed off a railing, you know someone's in front of you and they push you like you're going to fall a different way no forensic mm-hmm. analysis but uh you know definitely <laughs> can see how how she landed there was not like i tripped and fell over the railing because you don't bring the railings down with you
0: but when did she leave her mom's room because she said something about you know if she doesn't want dinner or if she doesn't want lunch or something like that
2: oh she's not gonna be down for dinner or breakfast oh yeah,
0: yeah
1: maybe she, check that, on her
0: around by around lunchtime. lunch yeah but she needs her rest but they find her in the dark so clearly they're going to yeah, find her like before evening. breakfast time
2: yeah so it's, it's definitely like after dinner because it's evening time and it's halloween so you know kids are out so it's probably seven eight o'clock right yeah um because it gets dark kind of early in october around that time yeah she's gone over the railing but like while pam is like stirring her drink and pouring her drink there's like this sinister music playing really low in the background Mm -hmm. I was just like and the way that they showed the glass from the bottom up, I was just like, Oh, there is definitely some ambient crushed up in the bottom of that glass.
1: (laughs) Well, and then that's that's a mama cocktail. (laughs) You know, they're having this whole conversation at the restaurant, like, I'm gonna cut you out of my will and put Sarah in and then when she hands her a drink, she's like, You take care of me, like lays her head on her shoulder. I was like, Oh no. I was like, Oh gosh. Yeah, nothing nothing good is happening here. In that moment, she's like, "Oh, you take care of me." Like, laid her head on her shoulder. Pam is still pissed. Yeah, there's no remorse there.
0: There's no remorse.
2: So you don't think that her mom knew that she was up to anything?
1: No, I don't think so.
2: Oh, because I thought that that nice comment out of nowhere was just like, like she knew oh. what was coming.
0: I thought mom thinks she has Pam under her thumb still.
1: I don't know. I, I took it. I took it in a dark direction. Well, I thought because she laid her head on her shoulder that she was like, "Oh, you take care of me." Like a like a momentary caring but for her daughter you know like oh yeah. thank you yeah
2: i i was just uh, i don't know maybe this is like cynical sheila rearing her head again here you come again sheila. yep uh, she's back there's been no sort of affection shown between any of the women let's put it that True. way like her mom and pam or pam and sarah it's only with travis is there any kind of affection so i yeah. was just like oh the fact that she's doing that i thought like maybe she knew that pam was out together, mm. like and maybe no. make make yeah. her feel guilty at the very end. I don't know. Like that—that's where I went with it. Maybe I have a darker mind than the two of you. I, I don't know.
1: Did you guys notice the book that Pam was reading while she was waiting for her turn to testify? It was called titled "The Eleventh Victim" by Nancy. It was a Grace. Nancy
0: Grace book. I did mm-hmm. notice that.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and it's nice. like about a, a trial. Someone being persecuted for a violent crime.
0: Well, just Nancy Grace. I roll. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I thought that was a good touch.
0: Yes. So we have the title of the next episode
2: and it airs on April 5th. And it says that she is not who you think she is. Mm. Ooh, and that is episode five and then the last one is on april 12th and that will be the finale i will not tell you what the name of that one is i i'm excited to see she's not who you think she is well that's just been her all along hasn't it uh, exactly
0: yeah <laughs>
2: that's just now maybe everyone else is coming around to that this hole
0: we're, we're waiting on some pam comeuppance here
2: yes
0: that sounds huppity. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that pam sound comeuppance huppity.
0: <laughs> Sorry, that's going to have to, like,
2: work its way out of my vocabulary. <laughs> no, I think it needs to stay. I think this is here to stay for a while because, like, something sounds a little sus. to be like, oh, that sounds huppity. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I just can't wait for awesome. somebody to be like, huppity? i am like, oh, you don't
1: know. What does that mean? You don't know. Like, oh, you don't know? Where have you been?
2: I can't tell you how many people I've told to watch this show. And, like, a couple of people have gotten back to me. They're like, WTF. I'm like, oh, wait,
1: there's more. <laughs> oh, wait, there's more. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I cannot wait. How did they send him to jail? I'm like, (laughs) yep. Oh my gosh. Yep, yep, yep. (sighs) Well, I'm excited to see what happens next. I have no idea what's coming.
2: Before we sign off, so is this meant to be Pam after her expensive facelift?
1: That was
0: also, I also had that thought. Her face looked very similar. So... (laughs) It,
2: it did. So I'm not sure if she actually got it. But again, that would be that would lend itself to my question from earlier. Like if they flip houses, where is all their money? Because they should have at least enough to cover their mortgage at some point to catch up. I don't know the going rate for facelifts, but I know that they're not covered by insurance. So it's all out of pocket.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: but if you've burned through one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in three years or whatever a stack of hundreds is. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not that rich, so I don't know what is that. Maybe thousand dollars. <laughs> feel like a thousand. Does that sound right? Mm-hmm. sure maybe a thousand okay mm-hmm. so if you've spent 149 thousand dollars in three years
0: what have you spent your money on a facelift, facelift. no the timeline's a little fuzzy so i don't know if mm-hmm. she's gotten her facelift or not
2: yeah because i was looking for like a change in the prosthetics and stuff like that but i, I did feel like her nose was straightened out a little bit because like in prior in prior <laughs> i'm making up words here in prior scenes like her <laughs> nose has kind of looked a little shifted so it looked a little straighter to me so i don't know maybe she didn't get her facelift, and it just didn't <laughs> <laughs> didn't take very well. Wow, I'm, so, I'm so mean. <laughs> 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 don't say I'm funny. I'm mean.
1: That's me being nice. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that is me being
2: nice because I was really cynical earlier. <laughs> mm-hmm. There was no... Yeah, no at teaser. The, there was so. no teaser at the end of this episode because, yeah. like I said, when we see the screeners, we don't see... We don't see credits. We don't. We don't know who these people are. Yeah, we don't see credits, which is and IMDb is really late with updating like who's in it. Like so, Shirley Newman, her mom, wasn't actually listed in IMDb until after the second episode aired. Mm. Oh. So I was like, I don't know that. And actress, she's a known actress, too. right? Okay, and I just she's... couldn't place her name. And um, so yeah, so you have to forgive us a little bit on some of these screeners because we don't we don't get who directed it we don't get who wrote. Yeah. we get none mm-hmm. of that we just get like the bare bones we get here insert title card we don't even know what the theme music is until we actually watch yeah. the uh, mm-hmm. watch the show um so yeah so sometimes we get the little snippet for next week and sometimes we don't so oh so we got some comments this week so keep those coming right. in on twitter yeah. we like those we like hearing your thoughts so keep those in and if you could head over to wherever you got this podcast from to rate review and subscribe that would be greatly appreciated subscribing you'll know whenever we drop a new episode.
1: And check us out on Twitter, Pod Clubhouse, and they tag us in in the tweets so you can tweet us tweet us as well.
2: And we respond and we interact yeah. and we answer questions as best we can. So yeah, so definitely keep those coming. Reviews are great. They help the show a lot. They help in the visibility of the show so other people can find us as well. So that's very much appreciated. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you back here again next week.
0: This is Steph. This is Sheila. This is Colleen. Thank you and good night. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are
1: always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.